Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Molly Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, or with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Moreover Podcast, we are Moreover Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can uh, pick us up on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify now, on Google Podcasts, on Anchor, uh, lots of other podcatchers as well. Um, we are joined this week, well, it's, it, we got a bit of, bit of a... A full house this week. We've got no housewives favourite. He's off watching fireworks, but uh, we'll save that for my any other business. Um, but we've got the people's favourite, the people's champion, Mister Nice Guy Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? I'm all right, thanks, mate. Yeah, good. I wish. Thanks. When did that become a thing? The people's champion. <laughs> I just made it up. I'm not all right with that. <laughs> it's bullshit, mate. And. That voice, ladies and gentlemen, needs absolutely no introduction. It's um, no longer Chinese O Lensman. It's Chinese O Lensman Agasaki. <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's uh, let's be racist as well. <laughs> sure. You are you are slightly you know Oriental, so and your head's upside down. What, what, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway what a great start <laughs> doug you're back with us welcome back from japan mate um thanks mate. We'll, we'll catch up a little bit about that in a few minutes yeah. um we're also joined with uh journalistic royalty ali stokes how no. you doing ali i i you know i'm 10 percent better with that introduction that has made my evening well you've got some i don't know are you allowed to talk about where you were today and what you were doing or do we need to um, just not talk about that no, we can talk about that. Um, I I will say what I can and can't say. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so basically, I was at I was at Gloucester today, and it was a press day. Uh, but there was some other stuff going on that I was I was I was there for. Um, 
but yeah, it was just obviously there was a lot of talk about a salary cap between people, you know, not on not on camera or, or recording because that was about Gloucester today. Um, but yeah, just a lot of talk about what's gone down with Saracens today, um, what's going to happen going forward and uh, kind of what it means for the rest of the league. So all sorts of things have been said by impressive people that I have listened to and are now going to present as my own opinion. Fantastic. That's the best way to do it, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And, um, no opinion like someone else's. <laughs> coattails all the way. Um, and hopefully, to to offer a bit of balance and to give a Saracens perspective, we've got James, who runs the at Rugby Saracens uh, Rugby United account. Welcome back, James. Thank you very much, Ross. Good evening. Let's not Hope- beat around the bush. He's here so I can say I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> Doug's well, been back what two and a half minutes and he's had a pop at two of us already <laughs> the three of us oh yeah true yeah I didn't count you Russ because I don't care oh well, fair enough he's just not had a pop at Ali yet um I'm Let's sure that time. I'm, I'm give sure it time give it time the best um, to last See okay so let's uh let's slide into the world cup final um first of all first of all obviously We've heard from you in dispatches over the last month or so, Doug. Um, Saturday, from a World Cup final perspective, your first World Cup final, even though you were working, camera camera two, showing be, us what be, we all wanted to see. To be fair, mate, it's, it was my fourth World Cup final of the year. <laughs> well, that's true. You were at the I'm cricket. Yeah, what, what, what other Not World so Cup humble. finals have you done then? Uh, World Cup of Darts. Uh, right. the, the FIFA E Games World Cup final. <laughs> in in descending order of sat on your ass, <laughs> mate. Oh, they all count. I'm sure there was another one, but I can't remember it. You weren't at the cricket World Cup then. Was it the competitive um, eating World Cup? I, 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 judging on my performance in Japan, I would have competed quite well in that. Um, no, so that yeah. That's that. So, as far as a spectacle goes, Doug, what was it like in the stadium on Saturday evening for you? It was pretty much like being at Twickenham. It was, it was I'd say, 70% England fans. I don't know how they do it. They're, no matter, you know, when England are playing, somehow they manage to blag all the tickets. But, um, yeah, it's pretty much a home fixture for England, really. South Africa, in the minority, a couple of little pockets of green and green and gold but that was it really and all of those England fans there would have left the stadium incredibly disappointed as millions of people were leaving pubs at lunchtime on Saturday half of them or most of them half cut with their day sessions cut short um Ben we were in the sports centre in Newquay shouting at the TV getting upset by you know potential decisions but more the decisions of some of the England players especially early on in the game where they just look to be a bit in awe of the situation you know you go from that early Courtney Laws penalty Ben Young's sort of decision making he it just wasn't good from the word go was it no well I think it's fair to say Ben Young's had a pig and um I just think there was some bad pieces of play early on. The one that stuck out for me was when um, Billy picked up inside his own 22 
and he had a run on someone. And then for some reason, he tried to pull a pass all the way back to his centre who was running in. And it was just like, just just take the contact. And I think that they had that rough start. There was a bit of a sort of soft penalty from Laws. Um, and then um, the, the injury to Sinclair. And South Africa made a good start. And I think England should have just kept it relatively simple, run Billy and Manu up, up, up the gut a little bit and just sort of taken five or 10 minutes out of the game, but they never really did that. And I just think maybe not setting the tone like they did against New Zealand just got to them and they never really um, settled into the game. Um, but that's not to take anything away from South Africa who were brilliant and they were brilliant against Japan and they were to be honest, they were brilliant against Wales as well, but it's just a different kind of brilliance. It's not going to win probably any new fans to rugby, but it it was just really physical and really smart the way they played. And, um, you know, they just outplayed England on the day. And what can you do about it? Not yeah. a lot by, no, by no. the evidence of that game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. James, where did you watch the game Saturday? I watched it at home. Uh, too much tension for me to go and watch it somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, just crashing disappointment, I think. You know, getting beaten very much by the better team on the day. Uh, after the new, the high of the New Zealand game, I think it was just made the the lows even lower. Yeah, I could I couldn't agree more with that. It was it was crushing and devastation. Kind of isn't the word. And and I used the uh, the phrase in the week that neither Wales or South Africa worried me with the way they played, as in the style of rugby that they played. But actually the style that South Africa played absolutely crucified us, Ben. I don't, I, I think it's almost, maybe with the exception of the last World Cup, no one's ever won a World Cup playing running rugby. It, it's just not how it's done. You, you, to be quite honest, if you, if you come out of the blocks with eight really nasty big blokes and a goal kicker, you're in with a good shout. And um, South Africa had five more, six more to come off the bench. Um, and, you know, I think for all, um, you know, teams that have played in a really expansive style, you know, think about Wasps a few years ago, once it comes down to a one-off game, it's very hard to win that way. And I don't think England were ever trying to win throwing the ball around willy-nilly, but they just couldn't get through the game line, probably because, mostly, I think, because South Africa slowed their ball down so badly. Um and it just stopped us in our tracks. Yeah, it really did. Ali, when the it was almost say writing on the wall from that first that first minute or so where we conceded that penalty. Um, and one thing England seemed to fail to do pretty spectacularly was was their exit strategy on on almost every uh on every restart. You know, do you think it was a sign of nerves or was it something, you know, a bit deeper than that? I it's it's almost a kind of nerves. I don't think it was a nerves of, of 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 the of what the opposition were. I think it was a nerves of can we do this again? I mean, everyone's saying. Well, most people are saying that that performance against New Zealand was the best in the team's history, and then they they're thinking they've got to do the same thing or better it again the next week. And I think they just forced it. It was the nerves of not doing themselves justice. Ironically, made them do. You know, exactly that. They didn't do themselves justice and they forced things. Um, like I said, those passes from Billy, from Ford, from from Fowler, from Youngs. Uh, Youngs is the only one really you'd look at and say, that's not out of, you know, that's not uncommon. But, you know, you have good 
you know some of the best passers in the world throwing throwing the ball to grass. They got within their heads, I think. Yeah, and it just. I think because we were so high off the back of the New Zealand performance, that then you you tend to expect it again. And that's where we've said it before, not just in rugby, that in, in lots of English sport in general, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? It's the <laughs> it's the thought that you've you've made you've broken the back of it. You know, you've beaten the all blacks. That's it now. You beat the All Blacks. That you know, you've you've won the tournament. But the the stat of teams beating the All, other than when the All Blacks have won the tournament, all the other teams that have knocked the All Blacks out of any World Cup have not gone on to win it. Did you see that stat? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what, how much of that is, how much of that is just pure luck and a bit of a nothing stat, and how much is it of it is the fact that you can't get yourself up two weeks in a row. It takes that much energy to knock the All Blacks out of a World Cup mentally that it's just it's, it's too much to go again against an extremely, extremely good team the next week or the yeah. next two weeks. Doug, you wanted in? Yeah. Um, England's game plan for the last 10, 15 games, we've spoken about it, really contingent on getting off to a quick start. Um, and as you said, Courtney Laws gave away a cheap penalty. Ellis Genge getting sparked out in the third minute. Carl Sinclair. Sorry, Carl Sinclair. It's only because you wanted Genge in the in the team as opposed to Dan Cole, isn't it? Or you know, well, I'd I'd rather have a Henry Hoover in the team than Dan Cole. You know what I mean? <laughs> they both suck in equal quantities, don't they? Um, I I'm not sure. I don't know how. Um, I don't know how much that had an effect on the team it, you know there was definitely a, a, a momentum or a, a sort of shift in dynamic of the game when when he went off um, you, you look at Dan Cole coming on and you think well this could go bad we've got Garces refereeing there's eight absolute beef fed monsters wanting to uh, put a marker down and, and you've got Dan Cole, um, you know. Ironically. Pro- probably just been eating packs of butter for the last seven weeks, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, when that happened, I, I did, I would say the person that was doing camera one next to me, she's, she's a Welsh lady. Welsh is her first language. And um, all through the tournament, we'd sort of been exchanging gla- glances over what's been what had been going on in the games. You know, do you want to do you want to clarify clarify these glances? Well, you know, this doesn't look good. <laughs> that looks good. I don't like the Welsh people. Um, <laughs> she doesn't like the English people. You know that that kind of stuff. Um, and I sort of looked at her and went, mm, "I don't fancy this." And it almost became like a little bit infectious. You could see. In much the same, I'm going to drop a couple of clangers now. I'm just going to drop a couple of names on the floor. I was having breakfast after the New Zealand game with Martin Williams. And um, he said, having played the All Blacks and watched the All Blacks for 25 years or whatever, he'd never seen an All Blacks team put so many passes, you know, on the floor or behind the man or bounce passes. Like They're the best pass of the ball in the world and they were rattled and it showed. And I just think that that sort of first five minutes rattled England, didn't it? And it sort of infected them and they never really recovered. 
but it also showed that for all we we laud Owen Farrell and the and the leaders in those teams, they don't have the wherewithal to be able, or maybe they're not allowed to have the wherewithal to actually change their plans when things go awry. Possibly, yeah. But I mean, in in slight defence of England, we managed to get to twenty minutes. We managed to get to twenty minutes, and it was three all. We got, we managed to kind of weather that storm somehow. Playing as poorly as we did in that first twenty minutes, we only conceded three points, and at the end of it, we managed to get on the board ourselves. And you know, it was at that point where I thought. Ah, have we have we got gotten over the worst now? Can we then grow into this game, Ben? Yeah, we we were talking about it at the time, weren't we? Um, because you know we could actually have taken the league because we were six three down and had that twenty odd phases right down in the South African twenty two, which was which we should have had a yellow. They should have been a yellow card in. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, but 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 a couple there was that and one in, one sort of phase of play in the second half where we finally got a little bit of quick ball and and actually use that to get in behind them a little bit. And then it wasn't until we got down on the line that their defence then sort of sort of enveloped us again. Um, so if we'd have perhaps got a try there, we'd have been in the lead playing badly. But I think what really actually killed England was that penalty right on halftime. Yeah. Because, because you know, I, I can't remember. I think it might have been someone sat near us said, oh, because they had a penalty on about 37 minutes, which they kicked. And someone said, oh, well, we can get down there and have a crack at a try here. And actually what happened was we gave away a penalty and then they got a scrum, gave away another penalty and kicked another goal. And I think that just left us one scrum penalty away from being out of sight throughout the whole second half. Um, so so that then would have added to the nerves. And then by the time the, the try was scored, to be honest, I think the game was pretty much done anyway. I don't think we were really ever going to get back into it there. Yeah, uh, the game was done after 45 minutes for me. Yeah. Go on, Ali. I, I think a lot deep down in our hearts as English sports fans, we probably knew it was over in those first few minutes when we saw those passes hit the floor. <laughs> and we were probably all just trying not to admit that we knew what was going to happen. Yeah, that, you've that, seen that it a hundred times with England, haven't you? <laughs> no matter the sport. You, it, that was, so, I remember, obviously I was, I was raising the diet of the, you know, post-2003 England side that was constantly with 10 minutes to go. Technically, Technically, we could score two tries in a penalty here. Technically, <laughs> and still win. That was my. I just that was just my growing up watching in rugby, and it felt like that again. I think I kind of knew. Okay, <laughs> I, I kept saying that Saturday. Yeah. I was like, even even when we were like 18-9, and I was like, yeah, but you know, one try gets us right back into this. It, and at no point did we look like scoring a try <laughs> other than other than during that phase where the ball should have gone to Courtney Laws versus Cheslin Colby. And, you know, just one of those things. James, what's... Well, as, uh, as you say, it's still that hope that kills you, though, because you thought, we could, we could, we, we must be able to do this. We beat New Zealand last week. You know, we've got to be able to do this. And yet, and yet, sort of, we were facing a whole nation, it seemed like. Yeah. All it takes is one interception and we're back in this. That's always a, yeah. a bad place to be, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I want to pick up on a couple of the things that happened in the lead up to those tries. My favourite, um, my favourite England international looked absolutely petrified. He was in position. If you watch the Colby try and you watch the Pimpy try, he was. 
Is this five. Saracen's new signing? No, no, this is uh, Harlequins. Um, the, ah. the loveliest bloke at Harlequins. Um, you watch the, the sort of fear in the England players, especially how, how we ended up with Colby on the wing and the only people he had to beat were Billy Vinopola, um, Dan Cole. Was it Dan Cole? Yeah, I think it was Dan Cole and uh, Joe Marler were the only people he had to beat. And Joe Marler just sort of walked up next to him and just went, yeah, I don't really fancy that. What, did, you what's see, the did, you, did, you, did you see both Cole? In fact, it might have been all three of them. They all stuck their hands in the air. When that final pass went to Colby, was it? And they, all three of them kind of stopped and put their hands in the air like they were the Arsenal back four of the 90s. Right. Wishful thinking that it was forward. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yeah, because they're not going to catch him forward. I'm not going to catch him. There were, there were, there there was a hint of the forward. What was interesting? uh, I don't know if I'm. No, let me let me say something, Doug. Go on. Because what in this day and age, right? The TMO old uh, Benny Skeen, who is renowned for for his amazing insight as as TMO throughout the entire World Cup. The only angle he looked at this forward pass from, and it, and I must say, right, whether it was forward or not, it's kind of irrelevant. But the only angle he looked at it from was from fucking Spider Cam, right? You cannot tell me in any way, shape, or form that there were no other angles available for him to view or to request. His wording, and I remember it vividly, was Jerome. This is the only angle we have available. Not this is the best angle, so I'm just going to show you the best one. I'm going to filter out all the irrelevant ones and give you the best one. He said, this is the only angle. And that, to me, is bullshit. Can I, just, can I ask a question? It, it, is where this is going that we've lost the World Cup because Doug switched his camera off to go for a toilet break? <laughs> <laughs> yes, finally. Um, Doug. Yeah, blame me. Um, or Hawkeye. Or Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. What? What? Am I allowed to ask are, are what you, Hawkeye can do? I mean, uh, the, the job's finished now, so technically my contract's finished. So, um, were you aware of? So, usually, as like in the Premiership, the TMO is controlled, or the TMO's angles are controlled by the match director. Um, mm. Without getting you, too, you've mentioned this before. Without getting too technical, there's a group of guys that operate replay machines called EVS. They provide angles to the TMO called in by the director. In order to, because the match director of, of the World Cup final was English, half the crew were English. There was one South African cameraman, a couple of Australians, seven or eight, maybe 10 Welsh people. In order to prevent any accusations of national sort of burying replays in order to affect the outcome of a TMO decision, Hawkeye introdu- has come up with a system whereby they have all 30, I think it was 36 cameras on the World Cup final, all 36 cameras go into an independent gallery where the TMO sits with an operator who can queue up 
angles to the main feed so that the TMO has his own independent feed of the match. The issue with that is the guys from Hawkeye aren't necessarily rugby savvy. So they work a lot on football. They work a lot more so on cricket. So they're more cricket people than rugby people. They don't necessarily know what the best angle is. Now, I know that the match diet... I don't want to stitch anyone up here. I know that there were other angles available and it was tried... It was There was an attempt to communicate that there was better angles available, but that wasn't... Excellent. Um, Take it on. It wasn't actioned. Now... For Ben Skeen to say that's the only angle I've got available, that's just a lie. It's not. He had all thirty. He had all thirty-six angles available to him, including a reverse handheld camera, camera one, camera two, and camera three, which were pretty much, you know, they're based on the halfway line, so you, they're pretty much in line. So you'd be a better. At, and not only that, but there were twenty-two-yard cameras, which would have been almost bang in line as well. So. To me, so we had to go through this whole thing where every day we would, every match we would have to do this test with Hawkeye so that all the cameras were synced um, so that they all had the same time code. So in theory, you could split screen four cameras and show four angles at once, much like we're doing here. And you could see, so for argument's sake, a foot in touch, like in the 2007 World Cup final, you could have had the camera you know, the famous one of Cueto's boot being in touch and then the one in front and then... The ground in, so yeah. you can match so You could have had all three at once and rolled them all at the same time and you could have gone, well, the ball's down there, but his foot's up there. I didn't see that happen once in this World Cup. Mm. And that, that was the whole point as far as I was aware. So, yeah. Without wanting to cost myself the chance to work on the next World Cup final, I think perhaps that process could be streamlined and made a little bit more yeah savvy I mean, that, but there, and... was, there, there was definitely there was definitely angles available that would have shown it more clearly than a ca- how you can judge f- whether something or not is forward from behind yeah yeah i don't know and that's the key that spider cam for it was always behind the play and like ben said a minute ago right that wasn't the reason that England lost the final, it, uh, it of wouldn't, it would not have probably, it, it more than likely wouldn't have even changed the result. Were we six well, points behind at that point? Uh, we were. So potentially it could have changed the game. Were we six or were we nine? Like, yeah, no, we were nine. Nine. we were nine. We were nine. We were nine, nine behind. Nine. It was, okay. it was 18, nine, wasn't it at that point? But yeah, go on. It was Yako Piper. I just have a theory that Yako Piper ran through the TMO box at the time, switching off TVs. Let's <laughs> quickly running through the different angles. No, 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 no. There you go. Stop it, stop it, Mrs. Piper. The 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 crazy thing is that you know we we all had a briefing before the game. Um, you know, to be professional, not be not show your colours, be impartial. To to us, to to us, that is a little bit of an insult because. So our job, you know, our personal allegiances would never get in the way of us doing what we're supposed to be doing because we've all done it a number of years. We're all professional. That's why we're there. So this thing of impartiality, 
being the reason that you need an independent feed for the TMO. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I don't buy it. Some there, there is a very good salesman at Hawkeye. <laughs> That's... And that makes sense. Uh, thank, thanks for that, Doug. Go on. And that is that is my opinion. That is not the opinion of anyone associated with the production of the World Cup. That's purely my opinion. My name is Phil. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, on, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. Um, it was one of those tries that in real time didn't look quite right. Um, like a little bit like Underhills last week didn't quite look right. But I actually think even from that spider cam, I don't think that pass was ever going to be wrong enough that they were going to chalk it out. I think they could have looked at that from 20 different angles and no one would have probably seen enough to, to rule that try out. Um, and, and, you know, even the people have complained about Garces, but I don't think Garces had a lot to do with, with the defeat. There was maybe one penalty that we all disagreed with. But other than that, we were just getting our asses handed to us, yeah. I'm afraid. We, no, we were, but Garces was shocking, man. Like, he gave a knock-on against Satoje, who jackled over the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was a bad one. Took the ball to out of the hands. So, uh, yeah, so he was he holding, he was holding, holding on because yeah, he stole right. the ball. Yeah. So I, I was gave a knock on. I was kind crazy. of talking more about the scrums, really, but um, yeah, that I was mean, a shocker. To be fair, you do get the impression that whenever he's refereeing a scrum, he has absolutely no idea and just goes, mm, "Yeah, green." There's so a team that looks like they're on top. He'll just yeah. go with. So. There, there was a scrum towards. It was sort of the the the, the latter half of the first half where um, Bonaby popped out of the middle of the scrum England were actually holding their own and he popped up through the middle yet the penalty went against England that was a little bit and and it was a a lot of there was a lot of South South Africa have dominated the scrum thus far it must be England's fault so we'll give a penalty and that it's not the first time that's happened let's be honest right a team that is perceived to be dominating a scrum a scrum goes wrong, the perceived team that's perceived to be on top gets the penalty, even yeah. whether it is or not. It's just a lottery, and it? Scrum. It is scrum it's a lottery. Absolute lottery. James, quick one, Doug. To... Doug, with the other 29 angles, 29 plus angles that are available, does that footage just get destroyed afterwards? Or might the DVD version of the vinyl um, suddenly reveal extra angles? No, if there's a DVD version of the final, I'm sure you won't find it in England. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'm not buying that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not high, but it's not, it's not going to be next on next to the Ashes 2005 I mean, series right. on my show. It wouldn't make a difference for the result, but just you know, what no, no. The other the, they get archived um, and they'll be in a library somewhere. Um, but yeah, ninety-five percent of it will never be seen by anyone. Uh, the, there's something that shouldn't be taken away from that try, though. Um, yes, the the bounce of the ball was... It couldn't have been better for um, Nah to run in and p- pick it up. But what is... Um, uh, been overlooked, I think, is that pass that he gave back to Abipi to to finish the try off. He could have quite easily just kept hold of it and powered over the line with momentum. And it, no, nobody would have thought any otherwise. But the wherewithal to 
drop it back to Mpimpi there was was really, really a lovely piece of play, Ali. That was that was silky, silky smooth. I think there was a lot of question marks over over Am at thirteen. Uh, Am, no. Nah. Why am I calling him not? Nah? I had this last week when I oh, I was on. I um, thought you were Nigel. My Nigel Lomar <laughs> last week. It's there's so many names. I mean, I I love I love Mapimpi's full name. I I love saying it. Makazola Mapimpi. That's just fun. <laughs> I have just any excuse. Um, yeah, but I think I think Am. Um, he had a lot of question marks on him before the tournament. And when he was starting in a couple of the championship games, people were saying, oh, Erasmus is testing things. Creel is going to come in. But Amazon proven for quite a while he's he's a pretty complete player. He's kind of the closest thing I can compare in the English squad, for example, is Henry Slade. Only I think Amazon is, is a little bit more of a strike runner. Um, and Slade's closer to that fly half kind of mould. Um, but he's silky smooth. He's strong. He's smart. He doesn't make rash decisions. Uh, he's just that that fantastic link man that can go completely underappreciated um and that that no look pass <laughs> in a final when you know you're hammering the team that was a firm favorites it was just cool as i it was like to a certain extent following that following that try and for a few minutes afterwards england i felt it just it felt like they'd lost all hope then mm-hmm. and they 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 kind of gave up a little bit and it was just it was all a bit after the lord mayor's show after that james yeah no i agree yeah it was just i think the writing as we've talked about the writing was on the wall from quite early um but the try just just slightly extinguished some hope i think uh, and yeah um for all those players, it was the first time they'd been in the final and that, that level of expectation, that level of pressure. I just don't think they coped with it as well as the South Africans did. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Go on, Ali. I think what's interesting is, um, obviously, there, there were some players in that South African team that have been in finals before, but obviously, equally, they hadn't been in as many big games as a lot of the England players were, whether that's, you know, Six Nations uh or even um, club games with, with, with Saracens and finals. Um, but something I was told by a former head physio of a premiership club was that they had some Zafkins come in. Um, this was years ago. This is before it was really, really popular. And they wanted to try and loosen the team a bit. So they bought this uh, music player in back when CDs were the thing and Bluetooth was this fancy new technology. And they put on some music in the team room. So they okay, everyone dance. And... You know, all the typical English guys, they're really awkward. They are a lot of dancing. The seven guys just, and they, they just dancing, smiling, they're laughing in this room, and it was awkward for everyone else. And the point is, this, this head video was making is these South Africans, they weren't as inhibited mentally. They were, they, they just, they were more relaxed. And that was a, that was a theme that he seemed to find and the South Africans seemed to believe ran throughout South Africa. So I wonder whether they were just in, they just, that, that, that nation, the South Africans tend to have a healthier mindset heading into those 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 bigger games whether that they just it just happens to be you know part of their of, of their culture their personalities that they, they deal with pressure a bit better um, it's probably because they they spent their formative years sleeping on mattresses on the floor in a shed so being in a rugby world cup final isn't pressure true yeah yeah well i mean well, not all of them i to be fair Dwayne 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 from ireland but yeah I'm, i doubt like i doubt Dwayne from ireland's yeah. dancing in a changing room though <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Yeah. He was fantastic, although, wasn't he? Although if, wasn't he's not, if, he, if he is dancing, I'm not arguing with it. <laughs> if he's you dancing, I'm standing five metres out the way because that one yeah. straight elbow and you, you're dead. 
one one thing I would say is is great story that Khaleesi is. Um, the one thing that keeps getting bandied about is that he watched the last World Cup final in a tavern. Now, if watching, I, I watched the World Cup final <laughs> in a tavern. If yeah, I was going to say if watching rugby matches in a tavern is an impressive thing, then I, I I'm up for a Nobel Prize. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness, though, his favorite toy was a brick when he grew up. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole South African that South African back row was fantastic. We've said about Vermeulen, Khaleesi, the Trois, they were just brilliant. Um oh. and you know, and and for we've given Faf a bit of stick on this podcast, but he was great as well. One one thing we did say is that <clears throat> not taken away from it as a tactics, it was really um successful. But I, I think the next world world rugby rule change might be in some way designed to stop scrum halves. Um, dashing out to try and get an interception um, because that, that how can you though well that the, there might be some way of setting an offside line I or think perhaps must the, be this tool pressing, to ride the line yeah the more or, pressing issue would be to stop the clock when people when their front rows decide that they're not ready to take a hit with yeah. 77 minutes on the clock but, who's yeah, but sandpapering that... by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James, James has got a bit of sandpaper going on we don't know what's happening with James's microphone at the moment but uh, he's trying to fix it it's fine um, it's, um, uh... yeah, I, I, that, that is the more pressing issue for me but that would be too sensible to fix that it'll be something um, just a couple of, of things I'd like to just mention as well um, The I'm not going to name the Nuki Hornets player that shouted at the screen when um, South Africa were clearly going to win and someone said about Nelson Mandela's Rainbow Nation <laughs> taking their place in the sun, shouted, piss off, Nelson, you've had your time in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, but, but he's a scrum half. Um, and, and I'd also like to give some credit to, uh, to Kevin, my friend at work, who's a South African, who, who waited until 11.28 on Monday morning to come down and see me and ask me what time it was. And when I said 11.28, he said, or you could also say 32 to 12. <laughs> <laughs> really, really well played, Kevin. And the fact that he waited, <laughs> really well played. he waited three hours to do it, I thought was magnificent. So uh, yeah, big shout out to Kevin. Well done, well done, Kevin. Um, Can he do pyrotechnics? <laughs> <laughs> no, think... he can't. <laughs> There's no need for that. <laughs> I um, we, you have to congratulate South Africa. I mean, Peter Sleftitoy was colossal, uh, an amazing tournament, World Player of the Year. Um, I made a, a PTSD joke on Twitter the other day about Peter Sleftitoy and England having PSDT. Um, uh, for anyone at us, he's a war hero, so he's allowed to do that. All right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's he's been you know he's had it tough. Ross, that is. <laughs> yeah, I've been to I've been to Iraq, mate. Thirty six exactly. hours. Told you that. Exactly. I'm allowed to make jokes like that. So um, anyway, uh, the, there's nothing more that can be said. The South Africa South Africa grew into the tournament following that first um, first game defeat to New Zealand. I always had a sneaky suspicion. I know it's very easy to say after the fact um, that they that they were going to do something a little bit special and obviously the route to the final after finishing second in that group was probably you know quite a little bit more favorable to them than than what it was previously um so you know fair play fair play to them 
I don't know what more we can we can say about it really. Where do England go from here? I mean, ninety percent of this squad should stay together. I mean, the the average age is pretty young, unlike Ben Youngs, who I think may well have nailed his his coffin. Ali, Ali haven't you written a piece on this? Yeah, I did a little bit of shoving my opinion in down people's throats this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what did what did what did you what did your piece say, Ali? You know, I've no, obviously read it, but I'm you... right, and everyone else can do one. Um, <laughs> no, uh, basically, just well, you've been hanging out with Stephen Jones. <laughs> So it's kind of a look at you, you've got to look at certain age profiles of some, of some players and there's, there's lots of while this is the youngest you know, on average teams ever play in the final um, there were plenty of players that are going to be well into their 30s you know you, you talk about somebody's going to be 31 in the final and you think that's quite old well you look at someone like Johnny May he's 29 at the moment you know so he's going to be 33 so you wonder well actually in by that time is he still going to have that pace is going to game going to endure obviously ben young's dan cole even courtney laws mark wilson will is, is there so he's be one of the guys to be 34 going on 35 at the time so that there's lots of different places where you could lose older players or these could be the kind of guys that you keep on and you know you have your really older players in the team um but there are certain positions that England probably are going to need to reinforce, and that's a scrum half. Because Willie Hines and Ben Youngs are, they are going to be too old, really, realistically. So you've got Ben Spencer and Dan Robson in the wing. But I think some of the biggest areas England uh, are, are going to really need to reinforce is a tight head and maybe a tight head lock. So obviously, that, I, I, for example, they didn't play with a tight head lock behind um, Dan Cole, because that made scrummaging a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, that, that, that classic almost, that's why. Uh, Ireland went for John Klein because he's a tight headlock like James Ryan. It helps the scrummaging. Um, Courtney, neither Courtney Laws or Itoje are tight headlocks. Um, so looking at that sort of things, who, who would they look to bring in? And I think Joel Kapoku uh, is a man who is rumoured to be off to the... Not to Northampton the Saints, Joel Kapoku. Yeah, Northampton Saints, yes. Joel Kapoku. Yeah. More yeah. good news for you, James. Yeah, thank you. He's a big... <laughs> Big bad, a big bad twenty-year-old who looks the business, and like he, he's not just a big man. He's mobile. He's good at the breakdown. I think he's a man who could come in because that. I mean, you look at England's second row options; and they're pretty stacked um, in terms of skill, but in terms of actual monsters that can really get a scrum going, there aren't really that many. I mean, George Cruz was the tight head lock there, and he's not. You wouldn't call that man a monster, would you? You're not like Etzebeth or Klein or. Ryan, he, he is he is massive, but he's English massive, which is different yeah. from South African massive. He's English massive, as in, you know, if you were a girl, you'd take him home to meet your mum, and she wouldn't be scared of him. Yeah. Whereas yeah, if you took Eben Etzebeth home to meet your mum, she'd be like, "Get that man out of my house! I never want to yeah. see him again." Terrifying. Why? Why do his arms look like that? <laughs> What's he hiding under his shirt? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah. I think steroids from birth. Um, I. Sorry, Russ. Can I just? Uh, there is a couple of things I want to talk about with that, with reference to the the future of that England side. I thought Billy Vunapola looked like he's throughout the whole tournament looked like he'd lost a step. Um, I and also I thought he looked like a bit like a, a rabbit in headlights in the final. And it's a bit of a worry for me. And I think we've got to start exploring other options at eight. And because I don't, I don't think he's 
as dynamic now, I think the wear and tear on his body is starting to catch up with him. I, I don't think he'll be at the next World Cup. No, I agree. Well, because I of injuries, whether, think? I just think, it, well, how old is he now? 26, 27? 28. 20, he won't be at the next World Cup. He'll, he'll break down. He, he's a body wreck already. I just can't see that happening. So we I need wonder... to, you know, we we have got options. We've got, you know, you know Mercer, um, Simmons. Are they, are they the, that kind? Are they that Vermeulen kind of player? I'm not sure they are. So we, but I do think we need to find someone there. Sorry. I think it's time we get Ben Spencer in full time at yeah, nine. Um, where the second one comes from, I don't know because I don't think even. Um, uh, what's his name from from uh, Robson? Robson. I don't, I'm not sure he'll be around at the next World Cup. Really, so, Mitchell at Saints is coming well, on, but I don't know. Twenty. Sorry, Ali, we lost, we lost you. Billy, is, yeah, it was both, his birthday yesterday, wasn't it? Or day before. Ben, yeah, Ben Spencer is twenty-seven, and so is Dan Robson. And I think when you get to World Cup, they'll they'll probably be what. 31 that's probably yeah just well, that's, probably, prime, that's all, that's all right yeah yeah, prime, yeah yeah and they're all it's not like they're not ex, it's not like you're bringing in kids yeah experience yeah i'd like to see alex mitchell keep developing the way he is at saints because i think he could be a phenomenal player um he's already played he played in the barbars game didn't he um, from what from what i've seen it looks like him and um taylor might well be pushing each other pretty hard once uh copus reinach Taylor came from Saris, didn't he? He did, yeah. Once, yeah. once he goes yeah. off to France next season. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him if he goes to France. You can't blame him. He's been you know, phenomenal. So Exceptional, yeah. Um, you got to make some money, and you? you know. Um, well, if, if there's a salary cap, unless, yeah, I mean, unless, unless somebody invests in a business with him. Yeah. <laughs> Rynak Ryan, Industries. Yeah. You know. Rynak's Wine Racks. <laughs> That's the title of the pod sorted. Oh my god, where did that come from? That is absolutely fantastic. That is brilliant. Oh no way, Ryan. Well, write one that one down, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Completely gone. <laughs> Carry on. I know listeners can't see this, but Ross is currently flailing around his room. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, I'd buy one though. I'd definitely buy one. I would buy a wine rack purely. And for... and also, obviously, with the South African South African tie up, there's uh, you could there'd, there'd be you could fill it with wine. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that I mean, unless unless we intend on going into the next World Cup with 15 second rows, I don't know. We've we've got to um we've got to start developing some players. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I've... You know when you laugh too hard at your own joke? And yeah. I can't. That's so bad. Very hard to concentrate when you are disappearing in and out of the frame. <laughs> oh, so, arms so, going everywhere. So gone. I couldn't breathe then for a second. Um, yeah, scrum halves. The, 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 Elliot Daly can't continue at fullback. That's one thing for certain. You talked about Benny Budapolo looking like a rabbit in the headlights. He... Didn't have a good final. I mean, I don't think he had a great World Cup in general. Um, one thing that really bothers me about Elliot Daly at fullback um, is his non-presence sort of presence under the high ball. 
and I'll only I'll use Mike Brown as an example. When Mike Brown used to cut, would come for a high ball, or a dominant fullback comes for a for a ball, a Rob Carney, for instance, you know, even if they don't quite make it, they're going to do something with a bit of dominance. Elliot Daly always seems to wait for it to happen to him, and there was a couple of times um, um Pimpy beat him to the ball by coming onto it. And while sort of Daly was stood under it, waiting rather than attacking it and jumping to compete. And that worries me. And, you know, uh, Elliot Daly is a fantastic player. I think he'd be better on the wing for England. And, you know, I'd like to see the next England. Don't fullback. say Mike Brown. No, 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 no. You say Mike I, Brown, I'm flipping the table. I'm not, I'm not going to say Mike Brown. What <laughs> I want to see is the next England fullback be a proper fucking fullback, not a utility back. I'm all right with having a utility back on the bench. I don't want the fullback to be a utility back. There's a reason Ireland stuck with Rob Carney for so long. They've had Jordan Lama, who could have quite easily come in and you know done bits for them. But what England have done with with Brown and Daly not picking Good, etc. You know, lots of different permutations that could have happened. I think we can all agree that Elliot Daly is not. The answer going forward, James. Yeah, I was just saying about Alex Goodsey. He's sort of he's refused the option of a European Player of the Year fullback for years. Um, where where is is it sort of one of Eddie's experiments that he he do you think he would admit it that it hasn't worked? Um, you know, can can uh, four years of coaching from Alex Good at Saracens bit help uh, Elliot Daly? I think what's fascinating there is. Eddie Jones, it's one of those decisions where Eddie Jones suddenly, he was so stopping for so long and then suddenly flipped the switch. He was, he had Mike Brown. He was his man. It's a secure fullback. And all of a sudden he realised after that Six Nations where England got absolutely hammered, he suddenly, snap of the fingers, went completely the opposite direction. He went with Daly, um, someone who was the opposite of being secure. Uh, but, but he's gone for a man who could create things, which is exactly what he'd been ignoring with Good because Good was too slow. It's weird. It's like, for so long he had said no to good no it's not what i want which got fullback and then he went for the man that was kind of almost a almost an imitation of good and wasn't as as, as um used to that position in daily i mean i mean like i mean you saw on twitter before us i i like it for that because i think it's a positive selection going forward he's got it's going forward his skill set is so well suited to being a fullback but he's not a fullback it's just it's one of those decisions where, where Jones made suddenly like that. He went from one end of the spectrum to the other and it kind of came back and bit him in the ass, really. Let's not forget. I think there's a bit of recency bias with this because let's not forget the amount of time. How many conversations do we have on the podcast about how Mike Brown catches the ball, then runs headlong into an isolated yeah. tackle, turns the ball over, gives the penalty away, yeah. and we're all cursing Mike Brown out? He's not the answer. If Mike Brown's the answer, you're asking the wrong question. I'm not saying Mike Brown is the answer at all. I'm not saying I'm not I'm in no way advocating anywhere near bring back Mike Brown. That's that ship has sailed, no problem. I Where was are just the making, English fullbacks? Well, I'd I'd like to see someone now and wait for it, George Furbank. Um might be he might be too young. Well it's Watson. Stick, it it could be Watson. It's Watson. It's a four year project want. now, isn't it? Is it a four year project to develop fullbacks? We've got not more than one. I, I think Watson, I think he's he's been very decent under the high ball in this tournament. Um, when he breaks from deep, if you watch him for Bath, 
very rarely stopped by the first man. He, he makes a lot of ground. Um, he, he's been a fullback there for a long time. Um, and I think when he played there, um, I think he filled in at least in one of the, not one of the Lions tests, but one of the Lions games against one of the very strong um, uh, super rugby teams out there. I thought he looked really good. Um, and I think maybe that game um, at Twickenham the against Ireland, Ireland where, where he did drop one. But to be fair, in the, in the same, literally the same second of play, it put him out for a season. So you can probably forgive him dropping that one. Yeah. Um, so I think he's, he's, he's your starting point with fullback. Uh, Furbank, little I've seen of him, looks a good player. Um, but, you know, you're taking a real punt there. And I think you've got someone in your squad... I think you're right that Daly actually played quite well in this World Cup and it, it's more his um, out-of-position nature rather than how he played um, that was his problem. Um, so I think he's well worth his, his spot in the team at some at some place. Um, but yeah, Watson's the man for me. Go on, James. I think given when we're looking four years ahead as well, um, another option is at Saracens, a guy called Matt Gallagher, who's son of a New Zealand legend, John Gallagher. Um, you know, it's not now, not for now, not right now, um, but you know, looking ahead at the four-year project, bring him in to the training squads, develop and train him, and using you. I mean, he plays wing as well, but he's a superb fullback. I mean, the back three is a place where we've got an, a literal embarrassment of riches at the moment. You look at the likes of McConaughey, Thorley, uh, Noel, Daly, um, May, uh, Watson. Um, the, the list is all, is almost endless at the moment, isn't it? There, there's Thokanasiga, you know. There's all sorts of options that, that England can do in very much a horses for courses type selection as well. And I just think there needs to be, you know, all of these guys. I'm sure will get a go at some time or another, and you just need to. It's all about selecting the right team for the right opposition. Go yeah, I don't, I don't think you need to go mental. I think it's just a, it's just getting three or four new names in certain positions. I think, I think if if you had to ask me now for two names I'd like to see in the squad, it'd be Mercer and um, Nick Tompkins. That'd yeah. be that'd be my two. Um, but I've, I, James Gallagher does look a good player, um, and you know you've you've even got someone like um, like Thorley, who I think probably should should come in as well. Um, but you know. We didn't see a lot of Noel at the World Cup for injury. Um, I mean, it is a fact that the um, the only England team to ever World Cup ever win a World Cup had two Cornishmen in it. So um, we did have the chance in that squad, and we didn't go for it. So uh, maybe that's the problem. Hmm. I'm just well, sorry. I'm. I just. Uh, that went quiet, didn't it? I've I've got football on the telly, and uh, Ajax have just had two men sent off in one phase of play and given a penalty away. They're oh. winning 4-2 at Chelsea. <laughs> Didn't know Garces was referee in that game. <laughs> I know, it's mental. They, they, literally, two players sent off in the same minute and um, a penalty scored 4-3. Okay. Crazy. Just, to, yeah. just an idea on, on England as well. Um, perhaps what we... Is there an argument that we need to retake, bring back the Saxons uh, and play the yes, USA, yes. play Canada, play you know, play some of these other teams to give that international bringing the squad together? You know, don't just put them in the Six Nations. That's not the that's not the environment for them. Let's bring them through in a more gradual way. Yeah, I completely agree with that. 
the the old Churchill Cup and stuff like that was absolutely superb, and it gave players that international experience. Like, I mean, you know, USA and Canada, they're not they're not mug teams, you know. And the problem, they, the problem we've got at the moment with it is that the under twenties. Once you finish there, is it the under twenties? It isn't it. Yeah, yeah. Under 20s, Once you gap. finish the under twenty, like it could be six years before you see or even get near an international cap again. And so many players will drift away. That that Saxons the the pathway should be twenties Saxons first team, and you should be all the way through playing the same style of rugby with the same coaches, on and on. I wonder whether that would take. Well, it would take even more money from the RFU to get players to release not only their star players at certain points of the season, but their next lot of players at different parts of the season. And it would be it would be perfect for the national team. But in England, the club game runs the game. That's where all the money is. I just wonder whether it's just not possible in the current climate of how, how things are. Sorry, Saris will pay for it. Well, that, may, that, maybe, maybe they can set up, set up some businesses. <laughs> It's possible. I thought the other thing is, though, is it indicative, though, of a pretty chaotic situation at the RFU at the moment? There's no one in charge of the under-18s. There's no one in charge of the under-20s. We scrapped very good coaches. Then Dean Ryan left. And then, you know, it, it, it's a pretty messy behind the scenes at the moment. So actually the thought of bringing a Saxon squad together, whilst I think it should happen, we just need to, we haven't even got the pathway sorted yet. I mean, this could be an ideal opportunity, you know, for the RFU to use somebody like with the experience of Jim Mallander, who they were, who, you know, it was almost mooted, was going to take over from Eddie Jones. He took charge of that Barbarians game earlier this year. Could it be something, you know, Jim Mallander is... He's left very... oh, Scotland's got him. Scotland got yeah. him. But he had the opportunity there. England had the, the RFU had the opportunity to push that through and to do something with it. You know, like Andy Flower does with the cricket, he was the head coach of the England cricket team, but he's he stepped away. But he's now in charge of the the player development in in the sort of the youth ranks, such as it is. So maybe it needs that level of experienced coach in with the RFU to to work with that player development. And I just you know, like Doug said, after the under twenties, it kind of drops off a cliff. Well, well there is obviously. Uh... Connor O'Shea is supposed to be coming in now to the, to the RFU. That, that's that's the talk. I think that would be a hugely positive positive mm. move. You think that you know he he ran Harlequins fairly well. It it, it 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 didn't it didn't work it didn't work so much towards the end. But with Italy, he's done very positive things. He he seems like a very balanced character, which I think is huge. Um, so I think his appointment could be massive for for steadying English ship. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see what comes out in the wash. Obviously, there'll be a bit of a review post World Cup, and let's let's be honest, right? How many how many of us saw England get into a final of the World Cup? How many of us saw us putting in that perfor- level of performance versus New Zealand? We ought to we ought to celebrate a little bit of going. You know what? You know, it was a pretty pretty successful World Cup for England. You know, the oh. final final aside. I was going to close. I was going to close my World Cup stuff with uh, we we shouldn't be crying that we lost. We should be smiling that we got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. And that's the, and we that's... did. And we got there. Like, and very very entertaining brand of rugby that you yeah. that you will want to see. And it's been a long time. In fact, I have not after the way we beat when we beat New Zealand last week. Maybe that was our final to a certain extent. 
because I'd not felt like that about England rugby since the 2003 final. Genuinely, that to me was the best rugby match that I've ever seen and supported England play through. Barnard. Agreed. And that, but you know, one positive note is there are 15 Englishmen who are still going to be making a living on the after dinner circuit. <laughs> it's a Clive, Clive Woodward, Woodward. Yeah. Uh, the relief the relief yeah. would have felt. I tell you what Lawrence Delalio was there for ITV Sports saw him at the end he was skipping out of that stadium <laughs> ha- hashtag punditry um, okay well let's let's move on from the World Cup because we've we've done the best part of an hour on that which uh, which was awesome um, there's been some other news today um, part of the obviously it's lovely to have James on always on the podcast as um, he braces but, himself but part of the you know one of the main reasons for James joining us tonight is to give a bit of a, a Saracens reaction you know fair and balanced and all that to uh, to today's news where Saracens have been fined uh, just over five million pounds and deducted 35 points as it stands right now saracens have appealed the decision so there's a a 14 day review period i believe for it all to sort of come out um what you know we've spoken about this before obviously you know more in jest and you know talking about saracens employing players wives as tea ladies and you know all those different bits and pieces now things have actually come to light, James. What? How does that make you feel as a as a Saracens supporter first and foremost? And what is your reaction from the Saracens side? Uh, yeah, so I think it's a good question. I mean, I'm pretty shocked and disappointed at the decision. Um, you know, from what I've seen, you know, that the, the club have put out um, that that they you know, they do disagree and that, that particularly on the issue of co-investments, they think that they still maintain that it doesn't constitute salary and, and that uh, they're under the regulations and they've had independent advice and pre- uh, legal advice and, and professional advice and that they claim in their statement that uh, PR, there's PRL precedent for it as well. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to find out more about some of that. Um, but um, so no, I mean it's it's uh, hugely disappointing. I think partly, partly um, because just the way it get it gets spun out on social media as well. Um, you know that the the uh, PRL have said that that the, the or the panel acknowledged that Saracens did not deliberately attempt to breach salary cap. Um, uh, whether it's administrative uh, issues, uh, whatever the reason was, um, it, you know, I wouldn't want to lose sight of how um, positive a force uh, the club is locally and in, and in rugby, um, the amazing work it does in the community. Uh, I know most, uh, a lot of clubs do some amazing work in the community, but Saracens does particularly amazing work, not just with the high school, uh, but the Sports Foundation and for Disability Sport and uh, Project Rugby, Wheelchair Rugby Club, um, supporting huge progress in the women's game. Uh, you know, it has a, mas- a very positive impact. Well, and um, uh, some might disagree, Doug, but the um, I think, you know, they're, they're going to... It, it, 
it is under is legal it... it is under legal review and uh, under appeal and so you know it would be good in the process of law if that thing you know we we need to wait it out uh we're not we're not privy i haven't even seen this the the paperwork hasn't even come out the the statements the detail of it um so let's see how the, the appeal goes james they've only got spider cam though swinging <laughs> <laughs> on other views of the finance has showed other things but let me pick you up on a couple of things okay do you think what saracen's women are doing is good for the women's game because they're hoovering up all the talent in the women's game and putting 100 points on teams in the Premier League. Is that good for the game? No, it's not. Every club does stuff in the community, so it's stop throwing that. Yes. Stop throwing that nonsense at us because everyone does it. Saints are off doing stuff in hospitals all the time. Good for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just doesn't matter. It is fluff to take away from the fact that you've been cheating. You've cheated for years, systemically cheated the game of rugby all other 11 stakeholders in Premiership Rugby, every fan that goes to watch rugby, and you've known that you've been doing it for years and everyone's been complicit in denying it. Every single Saracens fan is complicit in this because you've put up with it. If you actually wanted to hold your club to account, you could have done it at any time. Put the rumours to bed, lads. Mr Ray, put the rumours to bed. But no one's done it. And the fact that there are, you've literally been fined five million quid, more than the playing budget of the some Dragons. of the Pro 14 clubs. And you're still not admitting it. You've won tournaments based on cheating. A game that I love and a game that we all love has been completely made a mockery of because one bloke and his ego thinks he's bigger than the game. You need to hold that bloke to account. If it was Saints... I'd want the Barwells out. I'd want them gone. I wouldn't want anything to do with my club because they've sullied the name of your club, James, a club that you profess to love. And that's not on. It's not on. Disregard the fact that they've got a, an academy that's provided the backbone of the England side. That, that is irrelevant. A lot of that comes from the fact that you're hap you happen to be based in a catchment area that has some of the biggest rugby playing schools in the country. So that, you know, the fact that Saracens are growing these players isn't right. A lot of those players are coming from rugby playing schools and Saracens have no implement in implementation in those players being good. They just happen to be in their catchment area. So I'm, I'm tired. I've, I've, watched it on, I've watched it on Twitter all day. Saracens fans, oh, we haven't done anything wrong. You don't get five, fined five million quid. If you do your tax return wrong, you get fined. You can't go, oh, but, you know, I do a load of work in the community. Do you know what I mean? You've, you've got to front it up. Rugby's about fronting it up. At your stadium, in big 10-foot-high letters, integrity, respect, discipline, whatever. It's all nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It's a, it's a house of lies. Do you think... You should be ashamed to be a fan of that club. Wait, isn't because that another podcast? They've ruined everything. They've, they've ruined the last four years. If you're an Exeter fan, if you're an Exeter fan or if you're an Exeter player, you've, you've been cheated. Saints lost the final to you lot. We were cheated. Now you can go and win your European Cups. Fine, I don't give a monkeys about that because it's a nonsense competition anyway. Champions Cup. There's only one chance. If it's a Champions Cup, it should be the winners of France against the winners of, Ireland, of the Pro 14 or the Premiership. 
It's not a Champions Cup. It's a cup to make money. Go and win that. That's fine. What I want to know and why I'm still foaming about this is because what's the actual sanction on the club now? Because as far as I can see, if you were doping your squad last year, you're doing it this year. So what, you know, what, why haven't you been, you shouldn't be allowed to sign new players. You shouldn't be allowed to extend contracts. It should just be completely, you fucked up. You need to sort it out. 35 points. Saracen, if you took 35 points away from Saracens, each of the years they've been accused of cheating because they are appealing, which, you know, whatever. But if you took the 35 points away from Saracens over the last four years, they'd still qualify for the Champions Cup anyway. So where's the punishment? Yeah, that's true. Ali, you wanted to... I'm going to put this down now because I, like, I'm, I'm gen- genuinely... I love rugby and it feels like the last four years have been a waste. Because we've all been saying it. We all knew it. We all knew it was going on. But we just sort of sat back and let it go. Ali. Just unmute myself. Um, <laughs> it's a very, very tough situation to look at right now. When list, ha- having, having listened to those who have spoken to those in higher places, right now, the appeal is, is, is you know, it's... It's, in, it's, in, it's pending it, it's, it's on its way and premature you have decided they've said okay this has happened you have been found guilty you are being fined this amount of money this many points but Saracens are again as, as they would do whether they were guilty or innocent they, they are going, going to fight it the tough part is the fact that it affects so much of the game it affects so many, so many things and, and the, the, the fans Fans themselves have, have, have really done have done nothing wrong. They've supported a team that was struggling with relegation for years and seen and seen it go up. But, and and it's, I think it's a real it's a real shame for them because you know it's what can what, really what what can they do about it? They, they can, can hold their ownership to account. I'm 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 not sure. Sh- uh, I'm not sure. You fans. all have a stakeholders meeting. Uh, Saints, we go to the. They have a, an AGM every year, and you can go if you're a member, and you can sit there and ask the Barwells. What's going on? Why are we continuing with Malinda? What's going on? And they can give you answers. Ben, and then you if you go to, and uh... do that, if you go and do that, and then he lies to your face, then you hold him to account. How can you know? How can you know that they're, they're, they're lying? And and you look a lot of this stuff has been loophole. Um, a lot of it hasn't. It's if you're exploiting a loophole, you're cheating. No, you're not. It's it, like it's. This is the thing. This is why it's taken so long, and why it took for more information from media for Premiership Rugby to find out whatever they have found on this investigation. Now, as as it stands, those those points are going. Uh, then will they be reduced with the appeal? Will will they not be you know taken away at all? We 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 don't know. It's at the moment. It's. It's strongly likely. It looks like it is done. This is what's happening, but there is a chance that some miracle appeal will reduce it or, 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 or eradicate it. Whatever will happen. But you've got you've got to think this this has ramifications on 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 the players in terms of just general UK law. What happens with with, with the tax side of things if if it's suddenly classed as something something very different? It is quite. It is a very it's such a complicated situation, yeah. and you you look at the fact that, as you say, if, again, going on the assumption that 
it is this has happened they are 100 guilty i'm not saying now oh, yeah, i let's see what comes out in the wash but let's say they are you've got the whole fact that they've been able to develop their academy and do what they do and what they have done and the, the decisions they've made the way they've run things is no one else has been as smart yeah. no one has done as well but say you have gone over the salary cap by a few million it gives you the space to be able to do it Ben, you've waited patiently. You wanted to to jump in. Yeah, um, I'll just have to leave you with this thought, guys. But um, I've I've always enjoyed watching this Saracens team play, um, you know, and and enjoyed their success. And I can't imagine I was ever sat there thinking, well, I hope they're within the the wage limits and uh, and all that kind of thing. And and you know, there's some great players in that team, and I, I've I've always really enjoyed them. So. Um, I'm not getting too wound up about what they're paying everyone. Um, but I know some people do. And uh, I, don't, I don't think it's actually going to cost them that much. You know, they're going to have one season of not winning a lot, but I don't think they'll go down. And I think they'll be they'll be fine, you know, going forward. It might lose a few players, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it'll do too much damage. Go on, James. You got yeah, a bit have, of a, have, a, have a reply, James, because I went yeah. quite hard there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's been fine. boiling all afternoon. It's fine. I, I, I know it's something you feel very passionate about. Uh, yeah, so I think um, there's a few things. One, um, Nigel Ray. Uh, so I think he has been, he and his family, being a fantastic um, thing for Saracens, fantastic support for Saracens and all the elements of the club. And, um, you know, genuine fan and a genuine um, supporter. And, um, I, I actually, Doug, I've only got good things to say about Nigel Ray, um, but I can I'm, see you've got look, a different I'm, view. You, no, no. What I'm saying is, I'm saying that he put his personal desire to win above playing by the rules, and that's an ego thing. But he that, thought that he thought he was smarter than Premiership rugby. I think that's where I really disagree. In that, I think. Um, I was, I've never been involved in any of the, uh, obviously, pay discussions and, and you know, don't know all the detail. Um, and, you know, it's important, I think, the club saying they did not, the panel have acknowledged, they did not deliberately attempt to breach the salary cap. So, you know, this is not a deliberate attempt to breach the salary cap. So this is not deliberate cheating in that sense. It's not, um, so, no, but that's semantics, right? Because what that means... I think it's quite clear, actually. They, no, 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 it's not, because they haven't deliberately tried to breach the salary cap, because by deliberately trying to breach the salary cap, they'd just be saying, well, we can pay the, we'll pay this guy this much, because it doesn't matter, we'll just breach the salary cap. What they've done is not deliberately try to breach the salary cap, but they've tried to exploit a loophole so that they do not have to adhere to the salary cap. As successful businesses would do. It's not a business. It's a sporting enterprise that are, they sign up to a set of rules and they play to those rules. So is that is that a difference? Is that a difference then between a a business? It's a business for Nigel Ray, but that, for the that's... teams, it's not. For the so supporters, that's... it's not. I mean, and the supporters expect that their teams sign up to a set of agreements. It's like a Formula One team that can run. You can run a three point five liter engine, but do you know what? There's a loophole that means you can run a four-liter engine that's turbocharged. You can go and do that. But do you know what? It is cheating. What you're doing is cheating. You know it's cheating. We know it's cheating. Like, you don't have to admit it. I don't expect you to admit it. But just because Premiership Rugby said that they did not deliberately try and breach the salary cap does not mean that they did not try and breach the salary cap because they did. Otherwise, no. they wouldn't have no, been no, fine. No, 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 100% they would not. Well, okay, 
in my view, uh, as a fan, and my, uh, I, I don't think they did deliberately try to breach the salary cap. They did they seek to maximise the way of being able to pay and to maximise their ability to retain uh, and recruit uh, top players. Uh, yes, and would any should any business should Northampton have done that? Do Northampton do that? Who knows? Do if Bath they do? do that? I'll be calling them out on it. If, no, but, if my but, club do that, I will be the first person that goes to Northampton and says, "You need to get out. All of you need to clear house." Because do you know what? You ju- you're just borrowing the club. Get out of my club. You're ruining it. What I'm saying is, I'm so mad. My my train of thought's gone here. What I'm saying is that they think they've been clever by exploiting a loophole in the regulations. Do you know what would have been double clever in Nigel Ray? Just pop round Elliot Daly's house and drop off a briefcase. Don't no, don't don't that... give him don't like don't set up Daly's daily fucking back rubs. Like who cares? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But, but I think that that's the important thing there. That, you know, so their view and their professional legal advice that they received, um, according to their statement, is that the co-investments do not constitute salary under the regulations. And they claim that in that statement that PRL precedent supports that. So if, they're, if the advice they're getting was that this was acceptable, then if they did it, I don't yeah. know that's a problem. They, so, they, so if the their salary advice is wrong... An... The salary cap is a number. The salary cap is a number. And if you seek to exploit that number, you're cheating. But it isn't a number, isn't it? Is it? Because of the additional benefits and additional allowances, it isn't a straightforward, that's the number. And also, is it, in a way, it's, it, I guess it comes down to the sort of philosophy, sort of like on a tax avoidance thing. You know, if it, is it legal? It's not tax it avoidance, effort? it's sport. No, 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 but in the, in the sense that if you seek to maximise your ability to maintain income or, or the income you've got or use the income, um, you know, these are businesses. We talk it's, about the profit and loss they make. It's a good about, analogy. Yeah, all right, that's a good analogy. So if Saints tomorrow decide to go on EPO, is that maximising their ability or is that cheating? No, because that's completely different. Why? Because that isn't about maximising the salary cap. No, but it's still cheating. It's cheating in a different form, isn't it? You're you're like taking... financial financial doping. Is that are you, are you, so? Are you are you are you go the other route of so? If you've got physical doping or financial doping, you can find if what you I'm financially is, dope right, your. So what, what I'm saying is, Elliot Daly is offered five hundred grand by Northampton, or is offered five hundred grand by Saracens, and we're going to set up Daly's daily back rubs. But that's also suggesting that happened. You know, that's all suggesting that happened, and that it's also takes away from the Faz wide, investments. From the wide... that, you're telling me that Owen Farrell is doing anything other than better than investing in an index-linked fund, or is he actually, uh, or is he studying the uh, FTSE 500? I don't know about specific cases. I think the the more important <laughs> thing to think about is about what Saracens are and encouraging others to do in terms of looking at the long term future of players in a very that's fluff, um, mate. It's, that's, t- that's fluff career because it, no, it's that, not that's for them. fluff. Not for those individuals. No, but there's fluff in terms of the salary cap. That's fluff. That's Nigel Ray saying, "Oh, but I'm doing a good thing because I'm setting the players up for life." Well. Who gives a, sh- a flying shit, mate? That that's against the rules. 
if, for example, as, as they maintain that the co-investments do not constitute salary under the regulations and they've got legal advice that says that and PRL precedent that says that. So if the co-investments were part of that um, player development program, the player future program, then that is a positive thought. That is a positive thing. And they are they will they are in the belief that they are right. Um, now, you know, that's what this legal case is about. The investigation is about, the appeal is about, is, is confirming, as legal cases do, whether legal advice that one set of lawyers has given is, on the judgment of more senior lawyers, um, correct. What do, you, what do you think will happen if this fine and points thing gets rescinded? I think you'll be very unhappy. Do you think he's, all, he's already only, very? Do, do you think I'll be the only person? Uh, well, it depends if you accept just if you accept the judgment. Right. Uh, so I've got to accept that the judgment is right, but you don't have to. No, it's no, all very Brexit, this, no, isn't it? No, no, no. It's very it's, Brexit. No, we'll just keep appealing oh, until no, we get no, a judge no, no. that agrees not with us. No, no. It's just the legal process. It's just the legal process. So you have an appeal, and then it goes up the legal process within the country. That's just standard law. Um, okay, now so, my my argument would be that Mr. Ray, in his infinite wisdom, will probably just keep escalating this until Premiership Rugby can't afford to take it any further. I I I, I don't I have no idea, no idea. I mean, I think you know they are if they are confident in the legal advice they've got, if they're confident in their position, the panel has acknowledged it's not deliberately attempting to breach the salary what, cap. What will it take for you to admit that your team have been cheating? I feel like Paxman now. <laughs> answer the question <laughs> sounds like partridge <laughs> answer the question what was that one on the the, what, the latest series wasn't it, was it? M- emily Maitlis, wasn't it? Are, you gonna, are you gonna make any more <laughs> will you give us a comment what will it take what will it take for you to say um and if after all this review has gone on it's upheld where do you stand on your club what I mean, what do you think of the actions of your club? Do you think that, you know, all those fifty point drummings are saints? Do they count? <laughs> Is this why you're so sore? Because we keep beating you so heavily. Well, I believe that the last game we beat you, didn't we? This yeah, that... is what I came to hear. <laughs> 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 He's been waiting for this since game week one. I've been calling it since the first Mall Over podcast. Let's um I, in fact, I've said it to you before, James. We'll see. The day is coming. The day has arrived. What will it take for you to admit it, for, for you to admit this? And, and how will it affect how you see your own club? Because it, I'm telling you now, if it was Saints, I'd be ashamed. And I'd, pro- uh, it'd probably, I'd probably go and start watching Bedford. Uh, well, and they are a fantastic club. Bedford Blues, a great place. Golden to Road. James, are you in politics at all? Love that. Love that. Love that. Answer the question. <laughs> what, what would you? How are you going to see your club if this is upheld? As I said, I think Golding to Road is a great place to go. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I think yeah, um, I think Saracens is a fantastic club. All aspects of it. <laughs> they, um, I am very nice jerseys. Yeah, lovely, lovely kits. Uh, and t-shirts uh, and, uh, and, a, and a very 
celebrating history and doing great work in the community now. And uh, it's, you know, that this is... Um... Why don't you tell me after we stop recording? <laughs> Thank you. Do you want to go outside? Yeah. <laughs> um, I suspect I think, this might not be a point that yeah. we always agree on, Doug. I think okay. where they go from here, where they go from here in this appeal will be interesting because yeah. they cannot present any new evidence. They cannot do that. Now, what they can do is they can look at the process. They can they can they can ask whether it was whether the process was rushed. They can ask whether there was any bias in the process. Now, that's where they will go because a lot. Uh, it's such an unbelievably complicated process. That is where they will find some kind of luck. Yeah, so, I mean, if, as PRL said, you know, all the panels, there's three counts, so error of law, decision that is irrational, and that procedural unfairness. Um, yeah. You know, whether they appeal on any of those grounds or other grounds, I don't know. Obviously, that's a club decision, and the club will comment. You, you imagine all three. Knowing kind of... One thing we know from here is that, is that Nigel Ray and co are obviously... Very businessy businessmen. Um, that was not a good way of putting that. They they are very astute businessmen. They they look they they t- they clearly try every avenue they can. So they will go they will go after everything um, that, 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 that they can. Um, if there's no way of you know of disproving and saying look this is absolutely not true. If they can't do, if they can't if they can't do that and is you are going to get you are going to get done here. Then they have to look at how can they try and reduce. The damage. What kind of damage control can can so, they do? But just as a as a final, then do you do you think this opens Pandora's box a little bit? Should there be other clubs that may be a little bit worried about their own financial situations? Or you know, I can't. You know, are Saracens the only ones potentially guilty of this sort of stuff? Well, I, I certainly don't want to cast mud around in other clubs. And I genuinely mean that because you know that um, that that I have no idea about any other um, uh, financial practices at other clubs, but I think um, it would be interesting to look at other investment companies, um, to player investment companies, you know, Bermudan registered or BVI registered um, investment companies, or but to look at other financial arrangements. I, I suspect other clubs will be looking very hard, particularly other clubs who have said they are spending up to the salary cap. Some of them this year have said they're spending up to that. It, to, to whether they are, uh, this judgment, or, um, obviously be on appeal, um, alters their view and the, the guidance they're getting from their lawyers about what they are doing. Um, you know, it would be, it would be remiss of other clubs not to be looking really hard and making sure because it clearly, you know, the PRL has shown it's prepared to take action uh, with this and um, other clubs will need to need to take heed of that. Yeah, agree. Any, any final words, Doug? Answer the question. <laughs> Come on, Doug, answer the question. <laughs> final word, I, I mean, no, I... I, I... It's the second time in five years, you know. I I just think we need, just need to face face up to it and and sort of, you know, you can wrap it up in legalese all you like. The bottom line is, some shady shit's been going on, and it's ruined the in- integrity of the of the league over the last five years. So, you know. The answer for me for the Premiership is to make players' salaries 
a downloadable PDF that everyone can see, like they do in the NFL. Yeah. End of debate. End of debate. Pub, Owen Farrell well, earned rugby this is, much. <laughs> rugby is still there a relatively young yeah. professional Sorry. sport. And it's, it's, it's that kind of thing that, like, Doug, like you know, Doug is suggesting, maybe that thing comes to pass. You can you compare it to football and, and all, all sorts of other sports. It, it is young and it is, it is still learning in many ways. And this is one way, this is, you know, to put it lightly, a massive a massive learning curve a massive tripping tri- tripping up you know maybe the sport goes right okay yeah so so what we're gonna do is we are gonna we are gonna make it but make it public and i think rugby right now is what um uh 25 ish years years old right it's a professional sport um there's, there's there's things that are changing we, we, we look at the way the game is being played we look at the way they're looking at um head injuries and now we look at the financial side Things are changing. Rugby is in a in a in a kind of a maturation stage, in in many ways. And this is just one of those. I think this is just one of those things that's it's got a big thing <laughs> that's just down that's down the line that's going to happen before we see kind but of with the, the real uh, finish. With product. anything that's in its infancy, it's primed to be exploited. Yeah. yeah, and I believe it's being exploited. And I'm not. I don't for a minute believe that Saracens are the only club that have done it. You know, I'm pretty sure there'll be two or three other clubs coming out if saints have done it then i want to know why we've been so shit for the last five years <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> you're gonna cheat, cheat well yeah if you're gonna cheat at least do it right yeah and yeah, i mean definitely. i i did always subscribe to you know as when i played sport i always you know ascribe to the, the theory that if you're not cheating you're not trying but when when you know I can do basic maths and I can work out how much players are worth. And you look at that squad and for all the talk of academy players, I put a list on Twitter the other day of 20 players that Saracens have brought into that squad. But there is the thing there that we, you know, we don't know what people earn um, and um, what value they put. They oh, get no. from the club. So, you know, it, it isn't a straightforward, you know, England fullback must earn X amount because there are other considerations in their lives and the, the support course, they get. Of, co- of and course, they, there are. Has, has the chance of winning things being factor? Has the chance of the support network around the club? Um, you know, uh, for example, Will, Skel- uh, Will Skelton, um, that contract, you know, he's, he's put on hold Australia career but that has that been because that suited his family more and so he was prepared to earn less so that he didn't have to travel around the world for six months a year away from his his family and friends you know so that those and he could concentrate on skeleton skeletons his novelty his novelty halloween costumes matt skeletons should be some nominations for the best Saracens, right? That that's the one for. We had original content. Original oh. content. It has to be Saracens businesses. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a, not just not just Saracens rugby, rugby players business. businesses. Right, rugby business. So so for those of you that are still listening, an hour and a half in, if you've got any that can compare with Matt Matt Skeletons, um, Rhinax Wine Racks. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> daily, daily back uh, rubs. <laughs> then uh, hashtag them uh, rugby business, and uh, and we'll start. Let's see if we can start a little trend going. Um, 
gents, we've done an an hour and a half of pure rugby uh, related chat. Um, does anybody have any any other outside of rugby related business they want to uh, to add into tonight's episode before we knock it on the head? Um, we'll start with the guest, James. Have you got any uh, any outside of rugby business? Outside of rugby, just so I guess two things. One is register to vote. Uh, please, please, please register to vote. What's Take your part. What's your consistency? Uh, consistency, consist, consist. What's your constituency? Where are you representing? Uh, I am I am in the Watford area, uh, but um, I think just wherever you live, wherever whatever your political views, register to vote and take part. Uh, it's absolutely vital. Uh, and secondly, um, please can uh, whoever wins supply decent train services um, because uh, I'm making a lot of money off delay repay at the moment. Get uh, claiming every single day for every single journey uh, that is rubbish. Oh really? I was going to do a bit of train delay stuff it took me i traveled from newquay to manchester to liverpool yesterday uh sunday afternoon evening it took me one hour to get from newquay to manchester then took me four hours to get from manchester to liverpool fucking exceptional one hour what did you go on a bullet train i flew (laughs) Flew from newquay airport to manchester oh posh you can have you ever been to newquay airport Greta Thunberg won't be happy with you mate Oh, fuck Greta. No. I know she's underage. Is she underage? I don't know what. Just changing the subject really quickly before anyone notices what was just said. <laughs> have either of you been, have either of you two guys been to Nuki Airport? I've never been to Nuki Airport. Yet. It is literally a bloke sitting on a tractor with a piece of straw out of his mouth going, you going to Manchester, are you? Okay. And then he sit and then he go through a shed. He puts his, he gets his forklift, puts his bag on the back of the plane, and then off you go. It is a ludicrous airport. Yeah, ludicrous, decent, decent. Um, for any cartel listening, um, <laughs> uh, Ali, any other business? Yeah, um, I just think, uh, you know, on, on a serious note, while we're here, if Nigel Ray is listening, I'd like a new camera. So if he wants to invest in Stokes's cameras, <laughs> that doesn't work, mate. I've been looking at some amazing cameras today and talking to some cameramen I'm very jealous of. So I'm open to investments, I'd just say. Stokes' cameras just doesn't work, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Good work on that one, Ali. Yeah. <laughs> Ali's audio? No, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Back to Give the nice camera, mate. <laughs> Give me a nice camera. Doug, any other business from you? Uh, yeah, I've been watching, uh, you know, been away. I just, Japan great for if it was closer it would be a brilliant city break but it's bloody miles away and the flight was fucking horrendous i'm not joking so our flight we had to leave our hotel at 4 30 in the morning to get to the airport for an eight uh, an eight o'clock flight which is a bit punchy but we were staying in yokohama and we had to get to tokyo and yada yada so we decided it'd be a great idea just to go on the piss until we needed to get the bus i can advise anyone that's not a great idea to do on a flight um, spent the rest of the flight mortally hungover and it took roughly 25 hours so don't do that um, Were you able to lie down on your flight or not? No man there was like 60 of us, they ain't putting 60 of us in business class Well, yeah It was uh, it was rancid um, The second thing is if you haven't watched Watchmen on Sky 1, please do because it is one of the most 
viscerally brilliant pieces of television I've ever seen. Uh, written by Damon Lindelof, who wrote Lost and The Leftovers. It's um, a continuation. I don't know if you've ever read Watchmen, the graphic novel. Anyone? No. Start, film... start with that, because it is... Um, well, it's it's the seminal graphic novel. It's what everyone wants to be, written by Dave Gibbons. Sorry, illustrated by Dave Gibbons. I can't remember the guy who wrote it. Um, but anyway, it's it's extremely good. It's sort of an alternate history based uh, set in the eighties about a group of vigilante people who need to do some stuff, and then some stuff happens, and yada yada yada. Um, Wikipedia it because it is well worth it. But the series is a continuation of that story after the after the film ends i won't i won't after the novel ends i won't ruin the ending of the novel because it's quite interesting but set in modern day and it's 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 um you know it's got a lot of social commentary going on there's quite a lot about um a lot about race relations and stuff like this it's it's just an immaculately thought out and presented really high tension gripping drama and it's well worth a watch but you will be lost if you don't watch the source text. So go and have a look at the. Even if you just read the synopsis on Wikipedia, just go and read it and and do a little bit of research before you go and watch the show because it will enhance the experience. Nice one. Um, mine is well, mine was going to be travel related and also then watch related because I found on Amazon Prime there was a, a film made about the England cricket team. Um, called The Edge, and it was a, an in-depth, behind-the-scenes film about the sort of 10-11 Ashes uh, leading up to that and England's journey to becoming the number one cricket team in the world. I'd not watched it before. You know, I, I adore cricket, as, as you guys know, and I found it a really, really fascinating watch. The The mental turmoil that those guys went through in search of being that number one, It the sacrifice of their own health um in their own words obviously you know so whether that's taken with a pinch of salt or not it was a, a fascinating documentary of about the the pursuit of being the best you can possibly be in your sport and you know sacrifices that, that are made in in the search of that so yeah if you're a cricket fan it's definitely definitely worth a watch um and my delays and sitting around were uh, were well spent watching that. The other thing is around VAR in football. That's just a fucking absolute pony shit show. <laughs> um, I'm a Tottenham fan and there should have been a penalty against Tottenham. We had a player sent off when he barely touched the guy, but then subsequently broke and dislocated his ankle. So the referee, without any consultation with any of the technology that was available to him, just decided to send him off because of the outcome rather than actually what happened that led up to it. Um, yeah, football has got a long, long way to go to get close to, to rugby, which, as we've already already discussed, isn't, isn't perfect as yet. What have VAR and the rugby TMO process at the World Cup got in common? Hawkeye. Cameras. Hawkeye. Oh, really? Premiership rugby use Hawkeye as well, though, can they? They do for concussion recognition. That is, tell you what, that is actually really, really interesting. The way they use that, to, the way, the, way um, the guy in the stands who is responsible for looking at it tracks the incidents 
and then fires it across to the tablet and the TV that the physios and the doctors have in the changing rooms is really, really quite fascinating. Old old Keith Hawkeye is is getting a, a lot of money out of this, isn't he? The, uh, the do you know what we call it on the cricket? <laughs> no, the magical bullshit box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get, I get it. We're going it's... to ball tracking now, or is it more commonly known the magical bullshit box? Just four students in a van. Basically, they turn up, they put some blocks down on the pitch the day before the game. Apparently, that tells you where the ball's going to go. <laughs> There we go. Um, on on that note, um, James, Ali, thank you so much for, for joining us this evening. It was lovely to have you both on as usual. Um, nice and to have a bit of balance and uh, rational thinking and some decent uh, journalistic opinion, Ali. Uh, Doug, it's good to have you back, mate. Um, Cheers, mate. Hopefully you've missed us as much as we've missed you. I've missed and, you too. Uh, and the listeners have—I uh, know that the listeners have been <laughs> waiting with bated breath for you to come back from Japan. Especially like today has been—it's been like Christmas for for a lot of people waiting to hear what you've got to say. You know, the worst thing is I'm going to put the going to hang up this call. And I'm going to immediately think of ten other things I should have said. Happens every week. <laughs> well, just close your DMs, James. Close your DMs. <laughs> save, save save them up mate and we'll go again next week um gents it's been an absolute pleasure there's premiership this weekend i haven't even got the energy to to tell you what the fixtures are go and look them up if you want um i do Saints, know saracens, 40 saracens points ahead of saracens and saracens are going to gloucester i believe yep, yep. this weekend gloucester on saturday yeah i'm sure the shed will not comment whatsoever on no. the uh, suggestions so. and it's and it's extra bristol uh it Sandy Park on Sunday. I know that much as well. So uh, other than that, go and look the fixtures up if you're that interested. I'm sure you will. Um, (laughs) As ever, it's been a pleasure. Go well. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.